is so good to be back. Um, we have been gone. I have been both sick and on vacation, and so um, it feels really great to be back with you this morning. Again, I'm Austin. If you're joining us a little late or you're joining us online, I'm one of the pastors here, and this morning we are really talking um, about this idea of this is us, that we as a church have a need a deep need for new birth and new life. And this uh, way that I experience it, sometimes like God just does weird things during the week when you're kind of like, how is this playing out in my life? He does it in weird ways. And so I came um, home one day um, early in this week and my wife had texted me and she said, the mower has just died. Like we got a new, we got a used mower that had been fixed and made up and all of a sudden she was uh, mowing and it was like putt, 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 poof died, right? Like on an incline. And so I go home and we start to try to, um, uh, to get it started again. And it's dead, like done, done, dead. Bessie is dead. I call her Bessie. She is, she is an ugly girl with a facelift, but she was, she was faithful this first season. And I lamented because, um, if you don't know, we live in Sammamish by Duthie Hill and we are on two acres. And so Push mowing two acres is horrible. It takes like eight hours, but unlimited. And so instead of like going and mowing right away, I put it off for a couple days. And then Friday came, and I had left from the office, and I went home, and I got home, and all of a sudden, I put my bag down, put the keys down, and there was the key to the mower, and I just had this thought. I was like, I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. So I walk out there, and as um, I'm walking out from the house uh, to the backyard where Bessie is sitting, I'm just like, Lord, just raise her to life. Lord, just anoint her with extra gas and spark and fuel. And I got over there, and guess what? She didn't start. <laughs> but then I, like, instead of, like, in that moment, I, like, start it over, right? You turn something, it doesn't happen. You're like, I'll just give up. It's fine. We'll just go buy a new one. Yes, it's going to cost. And I was like, no, 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 no. I am just, Bessie has meant just too much to us. She came in a tight need. I'm going to love on her, like rubbed her on the side. It's like, come on, girl. Like, I was like Marty McFly on the DeLorean. I was just talking as I was starting. Like, come on, girl. Come on, girl. We were rocking back and forth. And all of a sudden, she started puttering. And then she started running, and I, like, flipped out, right? And as a perfect millennial, I took my phone, took a video, and sent it to Dave and Mark. I was like, she lives, Right? And I, and I say like, Jesus, oh yes, you answered my prayer. And she started. And we went and we mowed like we had never mowed before. It was a moment of pure joy and pure es- escalation. I was just like so happy that even when I went and had to go to the body, to the potty, I didn't, I didn't turn her off. Just let her run into her mind that she is alive. Like, and I'm trying to like not be too like, but this is the way that God works sometimes in weird ways in my life. And I'm not trying to be like over spiritual, but sometimes we need this type of new life to come in. Something that you're looking at that's dead and now it has been brought back to life. That is what we're talking about this morning. And I'm not just saying that and having a good story to make you laugh and be like, oh my gosh, yes, new life. The reason that this is really incredibly important, because as I was working and not only like living this out, but I was studying, I came across an article or came by a thread in Reddit that was posted in January 2022. And it said this was the topic and the theme that people respond to is why do you hate Christianity and Christians? And this thread was viral. I mean, it was trending, and it had so many posts that you could probably spend weeks trying to thread through it all. And these were the top things that came out of this. Why do people hate Christians or Christianity? It's like they're judgmental. They're hypocritical. They're clicky. They're anti-fill-in-the-blank. 
They're bad friends. And if you know me, that one hurt the most, right? I'm like, mm, I'm not a bad friend. But I thought about it in times of like, I've had instances within the church, out of the church with Christians, where that's true. They're bad friends. Like all of a sudden they drop you and you just don't know where they went. And I thought about this. When I thought about this, we talked about this need, this deep, deep need within followers of Jesus to have new birth or new life. The reality is, it's not the fact that we need new birth to prove this list wrong. We don't need to jump at it from like, I am going to live a new life so I can prove these people wrong. No, we need the necessity of new birth in our life, new life born out of us to testify to the truth of who God is. Your reasons matter. That the new life that is birthed in you and out of you because of Jesus' death and resurrection is not to prove anybody wrong, but to prove God right. That he is who he says he is. And so this morning, I want you to turn with me uh, to John chapter 3 as we um, dig into this idea. What does it look like for us? If this is us, if, if we proclaim right now, this is us, this is our church, this is the covenant church, our uh, denomination, our conference, and our local church. This, Pine Lake Covenant, if this is us, if new birth is who we are, we need to live transformed lives. And so John chapter 3, um, we're going to dig in a little bit um, to this moment where Jesus is um, going to say later, right, that classic John 3.16. If you're saying it in your head right now, that's a good job, great. Um, if not, let's we'll look at it later. But uh, John chapter 3, this is where Nicodemus, who's a Pharisee, is snuck off to meet with Jesus to talk and find out more about who he is in this thing called life in him. And so I'm going to read um, a little bit more of this, and, and we'll uh, hit chapter, or verse 3. Because now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher. We know that you come from God, for no one else can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless his one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You know, let's read it. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, they cannot see the kingdom of God. Of God. Would you join me in prayer this morning? Father, we um, are anticipating your presence here, not because we ask or deserve it, but because you are here. Because from the moment of creation, when you breathed life into uh, this world, into all of creation, you have been the same from that moment to every day. And God, I pray that this moment, that as we encounter you through the Holy Spirit, who is here in this room, God, would you make dead things live again? In whatever spaces that we are feeling dead, run out, no longer able to move, God, would you bring new life in that space? Would you begin the transformation of us? It's who you are. It is who you are. And we are in love with you, God. We ask this in your name. Amen. Well, church, when you talk about new life, I want to say this, and and I'm going to say it pretty plainly, that every disciple, every disciple that has an encounter with God or with Jesus in any way has had a moment of conversion. 
new life has to have a beginning in this moment of conversion. And right, conversion's like a churchy word that's been used in the 90s and 2000s. Um, I heard it at Southern Baptist, you know, as a conversion, as hellfire and brimstone to get me to kind of go from one thing to the other because I was scared and I want to get into heaven and I didn't want to die and not be with Jesus. But conversion really, in the essence of engagement in God's word from the beginning until the end, that everybody that has an encounter with God whether it is through like a burning bush, through the Spirit, God, through angels, is a moment of conversion that every single person has that takes them from who and what they were living after and for and changes the trajectory to something different. Plainly, conversion is a moment going from one thing to the next. It's changing from an old way because of some new experience, information that you have had that moves you from one space and one way of living in conviction to a new way. And this is what our faith is about, that everybody that meets Jesus has this. You and I have this, and you and I have heard this, that everybody has this moment, whether it's an incredible, um, chaotic transformation from one way of living. Like, right, I remember, like, wanting to have that. I was a drug addict. I was an alcoholic. And then all of a sudden, I met Jesus. I was blind. I want this Paul conversion moment. Rode a domestic, blinded, and then all of a sudden, I go to somebody, and they heal me. There are conversions like that. People have had experiences where they are living a death-ridden life, things that are in chaos, and all of a sudden, they meet Jesus And they decide he is who he says he is. And then all of a sudden they've converted and started this transition. It is a moment. And then there's some of us that have been raised in the church that have been doing this thing day to day throughout our lives. But a moment happens when we decide that this thing that we've been attending to is really what it says it is. Every one of us have had a conversion moment. And the conversion is not just a moment, but is the beginning of the process that happens in what we call transformation. That conversion, we talk about new birth and new life. That Nicodemus is sneaking out of the middle of the night to go find this Jesus because he's afraid if he went in public in daytime that he would be chided as a religious leader for following and talking to this man. But he goes out my night and he begins to ask this question. He's been engaging with Jesus and he's at the point coming to Jesus and saying, you're doing all these things that I can't even dream or imagine. I know you're from God. Tell me what it is. Tell me what this moment looks like that I convert and begin to change the way that I've been living as a good Jew. It is in this moment that is the beginning of the continual transformation of new life. It is a new way of living. That after that moment of conversion, if you have decided and chosen that I've looked at this Jesus and I have decided that he is who he says he is, he's done the work that he said he's going to do, I believe it, this moment I'm changing the direction from which the thing that I'm after or striving or serving, and now I'm going to a new way of living, a new life. It's not just a moment. This is why I say to us, if you've ever just been like, if somebody's ever told you that it's just a prayer you pray, you have been led wrongly. Don't listen to me. Look at your Bible. Look at God's word that every moment when people come and proclaim, you are the Messiah. You are God. It happens in conversion moment, and then the life changes. 
and moves in a different direction. This is what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4 that talks about what happens after this conversion. This is his, a church that he belovedly loves and that they're trying to figure out what this new life looks like after they've had this conversion moment. And for us as a church, when we're saying, what does new life look like after conversion? This is what it is. Because you were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self— which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on a new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Plainly, like the necessity of new birth, that the need for new life to come in and through you is not just a decision you make, but then a life that you live. Like Jesus, I'm going to say this. If you actually, actually believe that Jesus is alive today, that he died, was buried, and he was risen from the grave, that he's no longer there, that he breathed, like think about it, he actually breathed life after being dead. He wasn't asleep, dead, and all of a sudden, He breathes life again because God raised him from the dead. That's not a fake life, a semblance of something that he breathed breath and now life was flowing in and through him again. That if he is alive, then you can't just be like, ah, it's a cognitive exercise or just a spiritual exercise that I exist in, but it has to be this transformational part of where you're living, putting off of the old self and living into the newness of the breath that Jesus breathes again, and that he is alive today. That's maybe the part that we're having a hard time with. Maybe that's why the church and these nuns look at us and say, they don't actually believe that Jesus is alive, and that he has given you life, because then you would live differently. If I actually believe that Jesus Christ— died and rose from it, and he has life, and that he ate with people, he showed his hands, he showed his hip and his side, and said, I am actually alive. Despite these holes that should be blowing out blood and be dead and cause me to die again, I am alive. And if you believe that, you should live differently. You should pull a Peter, and you're out in the middle of the boat, and you just jump. Because you want what he has to offer you That the necessary part is that the putting away, conversion comes when you live a new way. That's like the Philippians, and Paul puts it in four, or verse one, verse six, that he who began a good work in you from that moment of conversion, he who began a good work in you will see it through to completion. That completion is the life that you live, not the ideas that you accumulate. This like passage originally, before I got sick, was supposed to follow up after the centrality of God's word. We talked about we don't value information but transformation. And this transformation is life. It's life that you live. And what does that look like? Well, for the disciples of Jesus, it looked like this. That they had been following, that he had gone away, and he said he set up some things for, and practices for them to start living a different way. They joined together in public worship. They still went to the synagogue. They went to the temple to join together in public worship. They went into people's homes and began to worship, to fellowship, to have commonality and togetherness with each other, to like and love each other. They prayed together. 
the centrality of prayer in their lives, they studied the word together. That They were saying, I don't want to just have more of the ideas, but I want to have the ideas translated and transformed into life. And so if I want to start living different, I have to keep going to the things that make me different. They served together. They went out from that place empowered to serve together. They were good stewards. Who has needs among you? Here you go. And they participated in the sacraments regularly, like we do today. That they participate in the Lord's Supper together. That they broke bread as Jesus did with his best friends, the body and blood of Jesus. So too, we do the same thing. But they also participated in baptisms. New life. That baptism, just as Jesus said, yes, I will be baptized by you, John. That it is necessary for you to do so. That the disciples, when they heard him say, go now and baptize people in the name of the Father, Son. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. Let us not forget that new life is not only, it is not just a cognitive exercise, that it is a physical representation of an inward reality that says, I want you to know that I'm going to live differently. And so I am going to go out under the water. I'm going to come out of it in the same way that Jesus did. And I'm expecting the Holy Spirit not only to be with me, but to fall into sin on me to continue in transformation of this new life. That's what it looks like. That's what they did. That's why baptisms are incredibly important. It's something we can't get away from. So what I want to do is, I don't want to just talk about it. I want to bring and invite my wife to come up here and to share a little bit more about her experience with baptism. And so as she comes up, um, I want to set the stage for, for us. I'm going to sit there. Um, is we were, um, we had been married in 2007, and then we began to um, attend a church out in the Chicago suburbs. And um, so we went there on, I forget what, what month it was, but... It was hot. It was hot and it was warm, right? You had to be for outdoor lake baptisms. Um, but we had gone and served in the first service together, uh, she and children's ministry and I in junior high. And then we attended the second service together. And they were talking, I don't know if they were talking about baptism per se, but I remember this moment, they get to the end of the service and they're about to transition and say, hey, we're going to go baptize. And then you did something like... Crazy. I've been, we've been married seven months, and you say, like, you don't, you learn things after. Like, could you bring that before we get married? But yeah. she, she brought something different. Um, I know. And so this was 2008, so it was 14 years ago. And if you know me, I don't have a great memory. Um, our joke is I store things in his brain. Yep. Um, Amen. But I was racking my brain about what they were talking about, and I can't really remember. <laughs> um, but I do remember they were for sure talking about the importance of baptism. And yeah. I remember sitting there and thinking that I've never had that. Like I, was t- I felt, I probably text my mom. Was I baptized as an infant? I don't know. Like I never was presented that opportunity, even though I'd accepted Christ as a teenager. Um, it just, it never came up. And so I remember sitting there thinking, like trying to talk myself out of it. Trying to say, like, am I about to tell my new husband we can't go home right now and I need to stay in front of all these people I don't know? Yeah. I'm not prepared for this. I have no change of clothes. Um, yeah. And I couldn't shake the Holy Spirit inside of me. Um, just saying, like, now is the time. So I remember leaning over to you and saying, I need to go get baptized. And I was not, again, not prepared. Other people were. Um yeah. I was like, we're not going home right now. We're staying. And 
thankfully they had like towels and changes of clothes. Um, but I was like, I'm, yeah. I'm married to an unbaptized woman. Ooh, I don't know. I'm in seminary. Like, I didn't know what, like, if I signed something that said that's not kosher, but it was, it was different. Like, right. You like, and that's the thing is you, you leave the, the, the church, like, and you go out to the lake. So you had full time to be like, let's just kick it. So like, what kept you walking that way? Um, I, just the prompting of the spirit. Like, yeah. this is the time. It was, it's funny, when we were in Connecticut for the wedding, um, our oldest started peppering us with questions about when is the right time to get married. Mm. Like, when is the right age? She thinks it's 41. Um, I was Keep like, waiting. yes. But, um, <laughs> but I was thinking about that, and there is no, there's no right, we all know, there's no right time to get married. You just know. And yeah. it, I feel like it's the same with bap- believer baptism. Like, there is no right time. Um, because you're wrestling with God and, and your walk. And I feel like even though it was seven years after when I accepted Christ, that was the right time. And it, at first I was like, that's a bummer that it took this long Mm. for this opportunity to be presented to me. Um, but as I reflect on it, like it was, it was the right time. Um, it wasn't a big to do in terms of like lots of my family or friends being there. Literally the only person that can remember is my husband. Yeah, um, yeah. but the spirit just kept me moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think about that, like you had been a Christian uh, and you found Jesus at a winter camp that I got to go and be at and serve at when we were in Connecticut. But like w- for some people who are like, well, I've done that, but I, what's the point of baptism? You lived years. Like what was, what changed? What was that moment that, you know, you went and you got baptized by one of my leaders that I knew? Um, and then what was like different after that? Like what changed? Why were you like, man, I'm so like stuck to this, that this is the reason why I have to. Um, it just felt, it felt like the right next thing, right? We say that all the time. Mm, yeah, we do. Um, we do. it felt like in my walk with Jesus since 2001, that this was the time where I was serving. Um, we, I was growing deeper in my faith. I was newly married and working through you being in seminary and what does that look like um and just the spirit prompting and saying like now is the time like it's a fresh start um and it was just part of my continued walk that is obviously ongoing it's never ended but i was actually trying to find like did i take a picture did i post anything on facebook this was again 14 probably years ago. not because she's no. the photo taker and i'm just but there's like... no documentation i have a towel yeah you have a towel it's embroidered with the year yeah. um but there's no like but it doesn't i realize like that doesn't matter there doesn't yep. need to be an outward mark it's an inward mark of my walk with christ and um and even if the only person that can remember that moment is you. Um, and Jesus. Well, obviously. The only, per- <laughs> the only living person <laughs> Let there. Let me give that Sunday school answer. Um, Let's go. That it's just part of the reflection of what was going on in my heart at that time. Yeah. And I think that church, when we talk about the necessity to birth, when I hold that, that viral thread on Reddit that's still up on why, it makes me come to the point of, that our church is a denomination, and us, if we're saying this is us, new life, whether it's completely and utterly like I almost died in a car wreck, and Jesus' angels were over me and around me, and thus I had to follow him, to the moment of you're just sitting there following Jesus, but all of a sudden you're like, hey, 
there's something still that needs to happen, that I still need to be marked. That we realize this is the moment where in Christianity that sets us apart. This is what's going to set us apart as a church, as a community, that we proclaim right now. That no longer at Pine Lake Covenant Church, that the gospel of Jesus Christ will be a mental or spiritual exercise. No longer. It will be a moment of holistic transformation from one life to the next. Whether you have been following Jesus for five minutes, 50 years, or 95 years, that we are going to be a church that says we are going to follow the way of Jesus, which means we are going to die to our old self, and we are going to live again. And this is why we say, if you haven't been baptized, why not? Why are you looking at what Jesus did and saying, "Uh uh-uh, I don't need that. If it was enough for Jesus, it better be enough for you. Like this is the thing about it. The necessity of new life in life transformation is so important because it's like the mower Bessie that sometimes you have been mowing and you have been doing this Christian life and then something happens and it dies. And the moment that you then go try to crank it again, it doesn't turn over. And you say, fine. It's fine. And you walk away and you just continue to live in life. You still have Bessie. You still look at her and you're like, I've got Jesus. Oh man, Jesus is represented Bessie. That's not cool. Um, but right, like, you have Bessie. You can look at her and say, like, I have this, this thing that exists in my life that has changed everything, but it just sits there in my yard doing nothing. Life transformation happens when you say, you walk out there and you're saying, I don't just want this idea that I have a mower, that I have faith, that I want to go up to it and I want to see that it is dead. And I'm going to say right now, today, whether it's seven years later or 50 years later, it's different today. I'm going to turn it and I'm going to crank this thing over. And I'm going to live differently. I don't want people to come over and just look and say, wow, you have an ugly mower over there. You have an ugly faith. I want you to turn that mower over. I want you to turn that faith over and say yes to transformation in your life. That is what happens. That is what has happened for 2,000 years. And that is what people are saying yes to when they look at Jesus and they say, man, you look a lot like Jesus, not only because you say all the right things, because you live that way. You don't talk about grace. You don't talk about patience. You don't talk about forgiveness. Only you live it. And I want that. And I don't care how ugly your life looks. You might look like I'm a Bessie that has a good paint job. Your life is transformed. And for 2,000 plus years, even longer than that, God has used transformed people to transform the world. You want to know why we're in a place where people are like, we need revival, we need revival. It's because we need transformed people. So where are you saying no? Where are you saying no that Jesus, this type of life, I don't need? Maybe you need a place like, I've been living for seven years plus following Jesus, but I need to mark this moment. 
I need to remember my baptism, and that's why I love that those are baptized for the first time. We come and we dunk you under the water, that you die with Jesus and you rise. Some of you that are a little more sinful, we stay a little bit down, a little bit longer to let those things go, and then we bring you up. Take a deep breath. But also for all of you that have been baptized, we put a font back there for you to touch that water, to remember, to not allow your life and faith and transformational life to die and to stay there. But every time you walk out when somebody's baptized, you come and you touch the water up here or you touch the water back up there and you remember that your life changed that day. What's stopping you? What in the world is stopping you from living a transformed life that transforms the world that which you live in? If people look at you and say, your life doesn't make sense, I don't want anything about you, my question to you, is your relationship with Jesus a mental and spiritual exercise? Or do you look at a Jesus that has died and had breath put back in his lung and say, I actually do believe that he is alive, which means I should be alive. Maybe you're a dead faith and he's a little breath life into it. Maybe you need to go and spend some time with Jesus and you need to start cranking it. And asking Jesus, will you just start this dead thing up again? Transformed lives. That's what Jesus has been doing. That's what he's doing today. It is what is going to mark us. This is Pine Lake. We live new life. Would you pray with me? Father, I am just... I don't know what's going on in this room. I don't know what's going on online for you that are here and you're watching from afar or you're here and you're just saying, my life, yes, I'm sitting here and it's empty. (sighs) Jesus isn't demanding that you do anything. He is inviting you. He's inviting you to be filled with the same breath that filled him. Think about that. The God of the universe, the Jesus and the Holy Spirit, who stood over nothingness and breathed life into all of creation, that breathed life into the lungs of a human being named Jesus, who was fully God and fully man, who was dead and breathed life into him, that same breath that existed, that put into existence. You say, do you want the breath of life which fills your lungs? I want it. I want life to look different. What things are dead? What things that are a part of your body that are just dying and corroding that are taking away your life? Name it right now. Name it. And walk into that place. Like I walk to the moment and say, Jesus, bring this dead thing to life. It's not what I do. It's what you have done and what God has done in and through this world. Where are you dead? Maybe it's your apathy for your friends. Maybe it's apathy for your, for your family, for work, for doing the little mundane things, for caring for people. Maybe your apathy for the terrible drivers on the road. Incompetent people. Those people who are against what you believe. The nuns, 
the not yet's and the never will be's. Jesus, breathe life into these dead bones. Ezekiel moment right here, that the breath of life would blow in north, south, east, and west, and would fill lungs, and we would watch dead things come back to life. God, if you, <laughs> if you can do it for me, you can do it for anybody. If that's you, maybe for the first time, that's you. Don't say no. Don't push it aside. Say yes. Talk to God right now. Say, yes, I need that new life. And maybe you've been sitting here, maybe for other people, you've been sitting here for 20 years. And you're bored of Jesus. You're bored of Christianity. You're bored of me already. You're bored of this church, but you keep coming because you believe that unless you do, you won't enter the kingdom of heaven. I promise you. Jesus promises you. Unless you're born of new life, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. I don't say that as fear. I say that as a desire to have the life that exists within the kingdom. Holy Spirit, come. You are welcome here and in this place. You are life in its of itself. Breathe upon your people. We depend on you, Holy Spirit. We ask this in your name. Amen.